you got to play 27 outs, right? And they're going to put good at bats. And they, they actually, I feel better today than yesterday. You know, I think yesterday we beat ourselves. We didn't play good baseball. Today we did. You know, they just put good at bats in that inning. But uh, as far as the effort and everything, the at bats, we were a lot better. So we got swept here. But, you know, the way we played today was a lot better. You know, we still obviously upset that we lost the game. But moving forward, this is the way we should play, and we're going to be okay. We'll be okay. I mean, like I said, you know, we play some good baseball today. We put good at bats. We battle. You know, I get, I know, you know, we lost. But, you know, compared to yesterday and the last few days, you know, today was a better effort. You know, I think uh, we played some clean baseball. We made pitches, you know, obviously one bad inning. But overall, it was a better effort than yesterday. This is Friday, July 15th. I am Cameron Beal, and what a sad bunch they've got down there at Fenway Park, huh? Alex Cora there, manager of your Boston Red Sox, who get swept in a four-game set down at the Trop, losers of eight of their last ten. And this team, talk about uninspiring baseball. I mean, come on. Uh, that's two nights in a row you've heard Alex Cora in the post-game presser just talking about the effort from his team. Two nights ago, it was, you know, we beat ourselves. You know, I was telling them to play a brand of baseball that they're not used to. And I think Alex Cora is kind of just falling on the sword there. But just uninspiring baseball the last two days out of your Boston Reds, really the last two weeks, really, out of your Boston Red Sox, week and a half, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's really all Alex Cora could get out in his postgame presser last night. That was about half of the entire clip was just him talking about, oh, well, yeah, we lost, but you know, I guess we played better than we did yesterday. We had it. We were actually trying tonight. You know, you gotta, you gotta give us that much, right? We we're actually trying tonight. And so that's kind of just where I want to start off with this Boston Red Sox team because it feels like over the last week or so, John Henry has come out. Um, he uh, he didn't run the article in the Boston Globe. Uh, Alex Spear wrote the article in the Boston Globe, featured John Henry and some quotes about just how he feels about this team this season. You know, are they going to be buying in the Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers situation? And when I tell you there, I don't think there's an ownership group in baseball worse at PR who thinks they're there's not an ownership group who thinks they're as good at public relations as bad as they are if that makes sense this group they just cannot keep their mouth shut about a single thing you saw it back when they were dealing Mookie Betts that offseason where John Henry said something to the effect of you know you know every every three years or so a team's got to reset the luxury tax you got to reset your salary and, and something along those lines which pretty much told the entire league you know hey hey we're getting rid of David Price Mookie Betts is on the training block. Come on, get your offers in. And then so that's what led to that's what led to the the Alex Verdugo, Jeter Downs, and Connor Wong return for Mookie Betts and David Price. Because you 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 told the entire league that you had to get rid of these guys, and suddenly you lose all your leverage. And today, a few days ago, in the Boston Globe, an article by Alex Spear, John Henry has all sorts of quotes. Where pretty much the the vibe is that it doesn't feel like they're going to be investing in this team this year at the trade deadline. That's just the feel you get from reading these quotes, and I'll read some of them to you in a bit, in a minute. But that's pretty much 
at least everything I've heard, everything I can kind of get out of this, that feels like the narrative that the front office and the ownership group is trying to push is that they're going to get guys back from injury and hope that will, you know, turn the team around enough to right in the middle of the playoff race right now. So sale and Avaldi and Hernandez and Whitlock should be enough coming off the shelf to, to get this team over the edge, get them into October and hopefully make a run like they did last season. That feels like the narrative that John, that is the narrative that John Henry and the ownership group is trying to push on the fan base right now. And the way they've played over the last week, week and a half, again, losers of eight in their last 10, the only two games they won were those last two games against New York last weekend. They head into New York tonight for a series against the Yankees. So with the way they played down at the Trop, I don't even want to turn on my television tonight. And I don't, the way they've played this week, I don't necessarily disagree with the ownership group not wanting to invest in this group the same way they didn't really feel like they wanted to invest in the group last year. It felt like pulling teeth to get someone in here at the trade deadline, didn't it? They bring in Kyle Schwarber at the last minute. They were in desperate need of a first baseman. They needed another bat in the lineup. They bring in Kyle Schwarber, whatever. You know, they, he, he's good enough to play first base. He, he was an impact bat for you down the stretch. But it just felt like pulling teeth to get that guy in here last season because the ownership group didn't seem like they wanted to invest in this team. It seems like ever since Heim Bloom got here, and I'm not going to hold that first offseason against him because it was an impossible season. In the middle of COVID, you have to trade your best player. You have to trade David Price, dump off all that salary, and somehow still try and remain competitive in a market like Boston. So I don't hold that first offseason against Heim Bloom. What I do hold against him, however, is how much he's leaning into the whole Tampa Bay thing. He's obviously he comes from the Tampa Bay Rays. And so that was kind of the that was the fear of Red Sox fans when they bring in Heimbloom. It's like, all right, cool. We have this guy. He's good with analytics. He comes from a team that's one of the best in baseball at developing young talent, specifically pitching, which the Red Sox notably have not been able to do in more than a decade. Ever since John Lester and Clay Buckles, they have not been able to draft and develop and bring through the system an effective starting pitcher. And so that's kind of the upside you get with Heimbloom. You get the analytical side, the player development side, and all of that. But the Red Sox, or at least Red Sox fans, it seems like they feared that they were going to lean too much in the direction of the Tampa Bay Rays. We were going to be scared to spend monies. We were going to lose our identity as the Boston Red Sox. And my mindset coming into this whole experiment was, well, Andrew Friedman over with the Dodgers, he was with the Rays up until 2014. In 2015, he goes out west to L.A. He's now their president of baseball ops, and he did it the right way. You still see the high-level development of players, specifically pitchers, Julio Arias, Dustin May, um, Walker Bueller. They ended up getting... Did they get or did they trade Bruce Dargrado? I think they traded Bruce Dargrado-Gratterall to the Twins. I might have that backwards, but we'll throw him in the mix just for the sake of the argument. The Dodgers are right up there with the Rays and, and Cleveland as you know those best teams in terms of developing young talent, specifically pitching. So that kind of felt like the blueprint, at least in my eyes. You get a guy from Tampa like Andrew Friedman. You bring him into a big market. The Dodgers are the second most valuable team in the sport. And the Red Sox are the third, coming in at $3.9 billion. 
So that's the blueprint. You get a guy who knows how to identify and develop young talent while still having that balance of, you know, going out and getting Mookie Betts, spending on Freddie Freeman, Corey Seager, although he just walked out the door, Trey Turner, um, Pujols at the deadline last year. So you have that you have that balance of being able to develop young talent while still being effective at the trade deadline in the offseason, bringing in you know, big name guys, because you're a big name market. You're a top three team in terms of the value of your franchise in the sport. And so that's what I had originally thought with Bloom. That was the direction I was hoping they were going to go into. But it seems like 2021 and 2022, it feels like getting the farm system back on track has been at the forefront of their of their of their thinking to this point john henry ownership and heimbloom that feels like what has been at the top of their priority list when i don't think that should necessarily be the case i think it should definitely be on the list it should definitely be number two or three on the list is getting you know good young players back through the farm system so you can one have players come up through the system that are cheap that are talented that can help you on your big league roster and two you have those pieces as assets to be able to trade off for big pieces like like the dodgers did with mookie Betts, you know and so that's that's kind of the way i think things should have been and i don't think that's the way things have played out so far and i think it's really the fact that heimbloom has had to put up this facade of being competitive enough to to feed the appetite of this Boston market who doesn't really tolerate losing. We've won four World Series championships since the turn of the century. You're the third most valuable franchise in baseball. So realistically, there's no reason you shouldn't be in on every big name free agent. There's no reason you shouldn't be in on every big name player on the trade block every July. There's no reason to because you're the Boston Red Sox and that's really the only reason why. And I think... Heim Bloom has had to put up some sort of a facade to be able to please the fan base. Like, oh, oh we brought in Trevor Story, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, did you over here, guys? Did you see we brought in Trevor Story? And then, and then also, you know, f- focusing on the farm system, getting good draft picks. You brought in Marcelo Mayer with the fourth overall pick last off or last summer, and. You know, let me just let me just read you some of these quotes from John Henry here. Again, this article is published in the Globe on Tuesday by Alex Spear. And we've got a lot of quotes here. We'll see which ones I get to, but we'll start off with this one. This is John Henry, principal owner of your two and eight in your last ten Boston Red Sox. Quote, I feel good, but we're still in a building mode here. We're concentrating on building our organization from top to bottom. He goes on, we took a good step forward last year. We're taking a good step forward this year, but we're still building the word building used three times just in that one quote and the way i read that is well you know the 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 team overperformed last year hunter renfro do you see the numbers he was putting up and kike hernandez was the second coming of babe ruth in october and nathan avaldi and Nathan Avaldi is a guy since 2018. I've just been waiting for him to fall off. And I think it's finally time that that I need to accept that he's an, an actual good starting pitcher in this league. But, you know, Nick Pavetta and Tanner Houck, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they are. And everyone kind of overperformed last year. And I don't think the Red Sox were necessarily prepared for that. I think they were ready for kind of a bit of a retooling stage for, you know, two, three seasons 
build the farm system back up and then pounce and then buy and go in and finally go all in on these teams. And it seems like the Red Sox are just a little ahead of schedule right now. The farm system has built it back up to a, you know, a respectable farm system in the big leagues. And the guys on the field, it's very 2013-esque, at least last season was, with Renfro and Hernandez and that cast of characters. Everyone's overperforming. The team is a lot better than, than we expected them to be. Coming into this season, I, their pitching staff stunk, and they, they still might stink. They might just be overperforming. It seems like they might be proving me right right now, the way the bullpen has been playing. But it just seems like ownership, Bloom, John Henry, it seems like they weren't ready for this amount of success, and they weren't planning on buying in on this team. And I, maybe I don't necessarily agree with them because – I didn't believe in last year's team. Granted, you know, what do I know? They made it two games away from from clinching the American League and making it to the World Series. So what the hell do I know? But this year's team, you've got Alex Cora in the middle of a playoff race. You're in the middle. Granted, it's the dog days of summer. You're about, what, a week or two away from the All-Star break. I think it's next week. And so you're just trying to survive to the All-Star break at this point is what it seems like. But you've got a team in the middle of the summer. At the beginning of last week, they were leading the wild card race. Um, A team that nobody expected to, to come out and be as productive as they have been. And just going off the vibe of last year, fans expect, you know, you expect a big bat at the deadline. You expect a big reliever at the deadline. They brought in Schwarber last year. But again, it didn't really feel like that's what ownership wanted to do. It didn't really feel like that they wanted to buy in on last year's team. It felt like they were just trying to appease the fan base. And, you know, I'm not sure we're going to get that this year from these comments from John Henry. I'm really not sure. It feels like he's really greasing the wheels to, you know, this is the team we're rolling with right now. You know, we're going to get some players back from injury. Hopefully that's good enough. But if not, you know, tough luck. And here's another quote from him. This was the final quote in the article. I think Alex Spear asked him just kind of, you know, what's your belief in this team heading down the stretch? You think they can contend for a World Series championship? John Henry says, quote, no doubt. We've had a terrible spate of injuries this year to our starting pitching, but I think as we get those guys back, we feel very good where we are. That said, there are some super teams this year. It'll be tough, but we know that in a short series, the playoffs are quite different than the regular season. I think we were set to be in the mix, and as we get people back, we'll be tough. And that shouldn't read to you any other way than this is the team we're rolling with, Chris Sale is back. Looked good in his first start. Avaldi will be back soon. Whitlock will be back in the bullpen soon. The offense has been good enough. Let's hope that's enough. Let's hope that's enough to please the fan base more than anything. And my, my question to John Henry is, again, like I said earlier, I don't know how to exactly articulate it. Nobody thinks... There's nobody who thinks they're better at PR than Red Sox ownership who is so bad at it because the, you could have just gone the route if you weren't planning on investing in this team, which I don't necessarily blame them for. This team I don't think is that good. I think the offense is good enough. Trevor Story has objectively stunk. And I, you know, he's had a few home runs off easy pitching every now and again. He has a bunch of RBIs, but the average and everything else has positively blown. 
And so I think if you're not going to invest in this team, you at least put up the act like you're going to. You don't need to make a move. You don't need to make a major move. Honestly, if you're not going to invest in the team, I'd rather you just not make a move at all than go out and make some sort of minuscule move to try and you know appease the fan base and make it look like you're trying at least do the old danny ainge response and that you know let me let me just read this quote because there's one quote in here that specifically reminds me of one daniel r ainge where is it here it is john henry quote it takes two to make a deal And I'm I'm not even going to finish the quote. And this quote is about Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts in that situation. But, quote, it takes two to make a deal. That is straight from the old Danny Ainge playbook with the Boston Celtics during his time as an executive here. Because we, we heard about the Godfather offers for Jaleel Okafor. We heard about the rumors for Kevin Love and Blake Griffin and Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant and Chris Dunn and Jimmy Butler. We heard about all these rumors. The Celtics were a team that were notably in on everyone but couldn't land the big fish and you know if you're if you're john henry if you're heim bloom at least give us that at least feed us that you're in on people and you know you got outbid you you couldn't make the deal the player didn't want to come here you know at least at least make it seem like you're trying Again, I don't blame them for not wanting to buy in on this team. I don't think they're particularly good. I think they're I think that the way they performed in June I think that was the outlier of this season. It, they're, they're backsliding now. They've lost eight out of ten. They're, they're, I think they're backsliding right now. Maybe they're not quite as bad as they were in April, but I think they're you know, maybe about as good as they were in May, somewhere right in the middle of April and June because they're backsliding right now. I'm not entirely sure they're worth investing in. You know, Maybe at a bullpen arm, but I, I, I'm, I'm not going out and you know, wasting big capital on a team, specifically an expiring contract. If, if that's going to be the case on this team that I don't think really, really has enough to make it through. I really don't. They, they split with the Yankees last weekend. We'll see how this weekend shakes out. They're in the Bronx, but the way they performed at the trop, uninspiring baseball, and they've got a you know rel- they don't have an easy schedule coming up. They've got the Yankees this weekend uh, for a three game set in the Bronx. They're home against Toronto, who's in the in the wild card race. Home against the Guardians for four, who are excuse me in the wild card race. They've got three against the Brewers, who excuse me for not knowing where the brewers are in their playoff race and then you've got three against the three in houston against the astros the second best team in the american league so before the trade deadline you have the best team in baseball the new york yankees the blue jays and the guardians who are in the mix for a playoff spot and you've got the astros who are the second best team in the american league and so i think i think the way the last 10 games have gone, I think, is exactly what John Henry wants to see. I think he kind of wants to see this team backslide over those next four series so he has an excuse not to buy in on this team. If they if they lose three out of four of those series and, you know, the way this season has gone, I don't think they've I think they still have not won a, um, a series against a team in their division. And they've got New York and Toronto. They've got the Guardians, who are, are right around the same caliber of team as them, or at least playing that way to this point. And then you've got the Houston Astros, who are far. It's the Yankees, the Astros, 
a steep, steep drop off. And then the rest of this bunch in the American League. So you've got the two best teams in your league. You've got a team in the division, which you have not played well against this year. And you've got the Guardians. And let's check in on where the Brewers are just for the sake of conversation. The Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, look, the Milwaukee Brewers are leading the NL Central. They have three games over the St. Louis Cardinals. The Brewers are the third best team in the National League. So this is a tough stretch you've got coming up your next four series before the trade deadline. And I think I think John Henry is thrilled that this is the way their schedule has lined up with how they're playing right now in terms of the trade deadline. Because if they lose, you know, two out of four, three out of four of these series, and it just continues to be uninspiring baseball. Um, you know, the bullpen continues to show weakness in the defense. Let me just quickly touch on the defense before I wrap up here. The defense on this team is one of the more hilarious things I've seen in a real long time. It's 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 a legitimate money ball team on a team worth $3.9 billion. You have Scott Hatterberg, Franchi Cordero at first base. You've got old man justice, Jackie Bradley Jr. roaming the outfield. Jaron Duran, who one, was one of your top prospects, has played decently well at the plate this year. He's dropped off as of late, but he's been okay at the plate. He's a whole hell of a lot better than he was last season when he came up. But this guy is an absolute hack in the outfield. The only reason they put him in center field is because he's fast. The guy can't track a fly ball. Have you ever watched this guy in the outfield? I I, I don't know how, exactly how to articulate it. I don't know exactly how to how to put it into words, but it just doesn't look right. And, you know, who am I? I'm no head scout over here, but it just doesn't look right. Watch Jaron Duran next time he's in the outfield. And the, this team is just, it's laughable though. When or Christian Arroyo in the outfield, Franchi Cordero at first base, Kike Hernandez, who came into the year as your everyday center fielder is not a center fielder by any stretch of the imagination. He's a shortstop. He was a shortstop with the Dodgers. He played a little bit of outfield there. And then you bring him in here and suddenly he's an everyday center fielder. Does that make sense to anybody? And so I'm just, I'm, you know, if if there's fingers to be pointed at or if you're going to point fingers at where the Red Sox went wrong in terms of in terms of this year, if this is the team they are, you, you can go back to the offseason and John Henry and Heimbloom will say to you, well, look, we signed Trevor Story. We did our job. We brought in a big name free agent, which is fine. Yes, you're the Boston Red Sox. You shouldn't be applauded for bringing in one guy in the offseason when you have a whole lot of holes on this team. The outfield is an absolute it's just it's a it's a patchwork outfield like i said kike hernandez is not a center fielder jackie bradley jr i i i, I don't even want to get into that because the whole hunter renfro situation i agree they should have traded hunter renfro sell while the value's high you know that's probably the best he's ever going to play in his career and he's having a decent year this year i think uh at least it's better than jackie bradley but it, nothing was going to be what he did last year so i agree trade him good move the only issue is you didn't trade him for someone who is going to make your major league roster better this season. If you're not going to trade Hunter Renfro for someone who's going to who's going to make you worse in the outfield and worse in your lineup, then why trade Hunter Renfro? You bring in Jackie Bradley Jr. He sucks just like he always has. And so if you're going to point fingers to where the Red Sox went wrong, it was in the offseason. They're going to feed you that they brought in Trevor Story. They did their job. But realistically, if you're going to trade Hunter Renfro, and I think they should have, you know, 
maybe a first baseman, maybe a pitcher, two positions where you actually need help. And, and you know, the outfield, whatever. The outfield, we'll figure that out another time. But the, the issue at first base is something that's that's pretty – it is inexcusable. It's inexcusable, really. The, they haven't had a legitimate first baseman since Mitch Moreland. Bobby Dahlbeck came through the system as a third baseman, I think. He was an absolute butcher over there last season. He's gotten better. He's, he's a serviceable, uh, you know, I, <laughs> he's getting closer to being a serviceable defensive first baseman, which would be fine. I was fine with that with Kyle Schwarber, but the difference there is Kyle Schwarber was giving you something at the plate last year, and so was Bobby Dahlbeck, and I was in a similar camp with Hunter Renfro as I was with Bobby Dahlbeck. I thought the value was high at the end of last year. I think they should have tried to sell him off for big league talent at the end of last season. I think he's Michael Chavis 2.0, and we're seeing it unfold before our eyes. And so I think Dahlbeck should have been traded, but he's a natural third baseman. Franchi Cordero is an outfielder. If you even if you even want to put him under the category of being a professional baseball player, he's an outfielder. And I, a, a funny note on Franchi Cordero, I think he actually came up through the system, or not the Red Sox system, but I think like when he first broke into professional ball, I want to say I heard he was a shortstop. And so I guess I would just like to have a word with the, the whatever scout looked at that guy who looks like an outside linebacker. He looks like Jadavion Clowney and, and saw him on the left side of an infield and gave him a chance. <laughs> I think that's that's just a funny visual seeing Franchi Cordero on the left side hole, you know, spinning a double play. But but that's a that's a conversation for another day. And so that's just kind of where I'm going to leave things today. I don't blame John Henry and Heim Bloom for not wanting to buy on in this team because I don't think they're particularly good. I think the bullpen stinks. I think their defense is laughable. And the offense is good enough to keep them afloat right now. But if they make it into October, I don't think they'll do anything. I don't think we're going to have the Cinderella story that we had last season. And so so, so I just I just don't blame John Henry and Heim Bloom for not wanting to buy in on, on this team. Now, if you're an angry Red Sox fan that's angry with the, the way the roster looks right now, you can point back to the offseason. That's something you can do because they didn't do nearly enough this offseason to make their major league roster better this season. They brought in Trevor Story, and you can't blame him. You can't blame them really for how bad he sucked on offense this year. They 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 bought they brought in the big fish just like you wanted. The you can question how they handled the run, the Hunter Renfro trade. You can question not bringing in more relief help, more help at first base. But I. I don't disagree with not wanting to buy in on this team right now. The issue is, is of course, you know, John Henry flapping his gums to the Boston Globe, his own newspaper, and he just can't even do that right. It it reminds me a lot of how he handled the Mookie Betts-David Price trade situation a few off-seasons ago. He just cannot cannot do this right he's not good with the media that ownership group is horrible in terms of pr nobody thinks they're better than themselves so that's where i'm gonna end things today the red sox they're losers of eight of their last 10 swept down at the trop at the hands of the tampa bay rays and they drop down into third in the american league wild card race